This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, before we get started with the topic, everyone, please pay attention to the Discord. We now we will be announcing our giveaway winner in there. Uh, as for the topic, we are going to cover the wonderful financial implications of wizards not having a schedule for anything ever and just dropping a BNR announcement on us. I, we knew it was coming eventually, yes. just not exactly when. Yes. Uh, and then we'll go with picks. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so last week we had bands in Modern Finally. We got the Mox Opal, which I think we talked about being a lazy ban. We saw uh, Oko go as well, which should clean up the format and allow for a little more flexibility. And what we're seeing out of that is that the only thing that's changed is Oko is no longer in the format. The end. Yeah. You yep. can still and play. Affinity is also no longer in the format. Yeah, but it wasn't before either. That's so. We're seeing, as predicted, Mox Amber take over the Mox Opal slot in the Urza decks, although from what we've been seeing over the weekend, as people are playing the arena events, it's just Grinding Station as your yeah. uh, kill condition. And I'll bring that up because it's a weird card, but it's always been floating around in these artifact decks, I yeah. believe. I want to say there was a version of KCI with Grinding Station. There was. And this basically just allows you to mill out your opponent or yeah. in the case of emery find something else you want to tutor into play and, and drop that in and the, that's all good the interesting part about this ban is that people namely vendors found out about this two day a uh, day in advance maybe two days events on the yeah. floor of knoxville essentially so and we were talking about this before, much like the Splinter Twin ban kind of making its way out ahead of time, people knew that Oko was coming, and that weekend, the value tanked from over 20 on the buy list to 10 and 11 on Facebook. Yep. Uh, so, yes, uh, there was an email that was circulating. Uh, I did see it. Uh, pretty much everyone knew Oko was coming. I did see information that Mobile was getting it as well, which mm -hmm. legitimately led me to doubt the credibility because I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to do that out of nowhere. Urza is clearly the right card because I'm an idiot and forgot the last year of modern bands where we had Bridge and everything else before Hogak got the axe, which is what should have gone the whole time. Yes. So I had my own head up my ass as far as Wizards has it up theirs. Anyways... Uh, yes, this stuff happens. It exists. Let's move on. Uh, pretty much that day, so Sunday, late Saturday, early Sunday, all of the hot list numbers on Oko were gone. They just didn't exist on boards anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, highest price in the room was 10 or 11 bucks. On Friday, it was 20 By the end of the weekend, everyone knew, and they were like, eh, nope, we're, we're done. Don't bring them in. Whatever. Yep. The general belief was among the vendors on the floor was, hey, at 10 bucks we break even at worst because it's still legal in Legacy and it'll see play in the EDH pretty much forever. Yep. Uh, which, true. Uh, yeah, Cube as well, if you want to look at that. And I'm sure there are some people who play this at a kitchen table who want to be those, oh, yeah. that kind For of person, sure. you know. Um, I was more surprised that we didn't see Astrolabe abandoned Legacy, but hey, whatever. I, I, you got it, I guess. They don't care about Legacy, we know. Um, it was interesting, though, because my first assumption was, of course, eh, Urza's going to tank a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to see a little bit of a drop. But if you look at the price graph on stocks, the price didn't move wasn't was not affected at all so looking at the low we have pretty much from january 3rd through now january 20th we've gone down a dollar on low yeah just about uh and 
you can see the first drop on the 16th. It's, you know, 26.50, and then it goes down to 23, and then it goes back up. So it's been floating around there. I fully expected that card to tank. So what does this tell us about these untimed announcements? It's that the refractory period for this stuff is very quick, and if it is an established archetype such as Urza, you're not going to see tanks on anything like that. Oh, no, now, no. take a look at the biggest victim of all, Arcbound Ravager. Yeah, we're down to like two additional reprints. One additional reprint. Yeah. Even then, it's still dropped about four dollars since the BNR announcement. That's pretty crazy. Um, let's see, Masterpiece, the chief chase version that's not, you know, niche, even saw a drop. Yes. Since the BNR. To be fair, there's only one format you can really play the uh, foil arc, any foil arcbound ravager in because it's really hard to play 56 foils in four Misha's workshops. So, that's fair. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> you should. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah, I remember the questions about Dredge. Or not Dredge, yeah. Dragon. Like, I can play 56 foils and four bazaars. Well, congratulations, you can't play that deck, because we'll cut the bazaar every time. Yeah. But... Um, so, yeah. my takeaway from this, and yours may be different, obviously. Uh, in the vendor sphere, hold on to this stuff as short as humanly possible. Churn, churn, churn. Uh, especially because, you know, a couple days after that, they announced, oh, we're now putting EDH cards in the promo packs for the new sets, mm -hmm. which I'll touch on a little bit in my pick later in this episode. No, uh, I agree, and it's interesting because the number of times that a leak has happened on, the Grand, on a Grand Prix or Magic Fest floor that I have been privy to, I can still count on one hand, but it has affected our entire weekend. Yeah. And the only time it didn't come from an official Watsi source, it came, uh, meaning somebody that was currently working at the company, it came from somebody who had been working on a product uh, for for Watsi and was no longer working. And effectively, mm. the NDA was lifted, and they were just asked nicely to not say anything. Yeah, sure. So it always has an effect on the vendor side of things, albeit small. And you might not always recognize it, but it is affecting the vendors because as soon as they find out and they can corroborate it, then that means immediately the site's going to change. There could yep. be a change in buy list and there could be a change on prices and cases. Availability generally won't change because no vendor is going to pull stock because of something, either because it's yeah. going to be a reprint or a ban or, or anything like that. But you will see some of the, the smaller nuances of the vendor game change in that regard. And it always kind of throws things into a little bit of a tailspin for us. Yeah. Um, so my issue is more with the ahead of time thing and that information coming up than it is the off schedule thing. I think that's it's still ridiculous because it makes it hard to move product in any kind of time period when you're just completely off schedule. Like Pioneer was terrible for the, what was it, the month or month and a half that we had bannings every week. Because at any point in time, Dig Through Time could have been banned and it seemed like we were just holding on to that. Yeah. Holding our breaths so for that. So was our buy list 25 cents or 250 this today? Yep. Who knows? Uh, that or Urborg or Thoughtseize, Nykthos, any, any of these kind of high profile cards or pillar cards for the time being could just go and that yeah. throws any kind of movement that you can make financially out the window out the window yeah exactly so i agree that anything that can be moved short term should be moved short term at this point in time holding the bag on any card that costs more than twenty dollars that is in standard or pioneer just seems like a terrible idea and yeah. i i don't know if i want to limit that statement and say twenty dollars on the resale or twenty dollars on buy list because at any point in time, it can just be cut cut out from underneath you. Yeah. And really, I'd say it depends on your model. I mean, like me, yeah. I do more buy list arbitrage than anything else. So mm -hmm. if I'm holding on to it for $20 buy list, I, man, if I can make a buck on that, it's out the door. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I agree. There, 
you know, I'm being pretty greedy with my Pioneer stuff. I'm waiting for some prices to return back to normal, and other times I'm just waiting for movement at all before I'm, I, I'm, I'm out of it. Yeah. But it just means you have to be, again, more careful about what you're doing. I've actually had a number of people, because I went to the pre-release to play, and I've actually started mm -hmm. playing Magic again. Talk Isn't to me it great about, when you can do that? Yeah, right. Talk to me about Opal, and they asked me what I lost on Opal as if I sit on them, and I said I've lost, or how I feel about it, and I mentioned the lazy banning, but in the end I said I felt fine, because I've owned every piece of the Affinity deck since it was in Standard. I'm out yeah. $64, which was the 16 they were worth X4. Yeah. So, as an enfranchised player who's owned that deck, I'm out that amount of money, but for a deck that I've had since 2003, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that seems fine. Yeah, it's always been put together because it was playable in every iteration of a format that all of, that any or all of those cards have been legal, and it always was a deck I brought with me to testing. Because as I keep saying, you need a like a level zero deck, and if you can't beat yeah. the level zero in Burn or Affinity, which was Premier Aggro, you you need to think it over. Re-examine your list. Yeah. yeah. Right. And well, I'm not. Like, Affinity was like Dredge. When hate wasn't around, it did well because uh -huh. it's the level zero. And there are times where the meta just isn't prepared for a level zero deck. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people in in the in the fallout zone of this and a lot of people who just still think that these kind of bannings that are off cycle or very broad or too late affect more people than they do or that there's a yeah. much more negative feeling about them than there is yeah you know we're a week removed and i stopped seeing people talk about well you know you can feel sad for people who lost their deck but you have to because i can't play anymore but you have to remember the financial aspect of what happens yeah i mean i i also like to me the thing is the people who are primarily affected by stuff like this in terms of losing their deck, they're not grinders. They're the guys that have this deck and just go to the weekly. And that's it. Because grinders don't own cards. Like, SCG grinders don't own cards. Don't, don't feel bad for them. They borrow their cards from whoever. Mm. Feel bad for the guy at the LGS who lost this deck, sure. But as you and I have discussed... How much money has that deck made them over the course of them owning it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. All of a sudden, my Ravagers went from 15 to 10. Okay. But how much money did they make me every week at FNM? Yeah. Exactly. And I think it all just kind of rolls back to again, if you're holding cards expecting growth for a format where anything can be re reprinted at any point in time and in a format that's highly volatile and is being injected with new cards constantly, you have to be considerate of what could happen, what is it, like every six weeks now? Uh, whenever. No no scheduled time. It's yeah. just on a Monday when they decide to. So, if I, exactly. Awful. You just have to kind of turn and burn. You know? Yeah. I... Keep it reinforces the belief that the only stuff worth holding on to, and this is something both you and I have harped on since the start of the cast, the only stuff worth holding on to for growth is duels. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it, because they're incredibly liquid. They have an, a very, very good return. And... Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about them getting reprinted into the ground or banned. You just have to worry about Legacy going away, but there's still EDH, and it turns out if EDH is banned, Magic is done. Yeah, you're SOL. So, I don't... Like, to me, that's obviously the best one to hold on to. No, I, I agree. We, we have a tenant on the cast that is to never talk about BS reserveless cards to pump specs, anything we want to move into, so I'll be excavations we're looking at you but yep damping field come yeah, on baby it is something that we always the reserve list is always something we want to talk about because it does represent an avenue for growth and if you're looking to move money around that's the safest place to be in, in both yeah. aspects like i brought uh, a bunch of my pioneer stuff with me because some local stores are starting to 
play the format. And I would rather get out of my cards to players than to a, another vendor. This way people can at least play the format. If they want to get out of yeah. standard or modern cards that still have value for Pioneer, I'm more sure. than happy trading away 10 or $15 worth of Pioneer stuff on the retail for that stuff for whatever standard or modern that I can pick up because I'll just turn that around, those cards that are stagnant in this in my local environment, to a buy list to pick up more reserve list stuff. Like that, that's my model. That's what I can finally yeah. get back to doing now is taking, you know, anything anybody wants to get rid of and turning it immediately around into reserve list. And it, yeah. I know we've talked about slide and last week uh, so in regards to price, you know, the retraction, and we talked about uh, cards that we expected to go up and library finally went up this week. I think it might have been in advance of the commander ban list, of which nothing happened there. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I think people might have expected that to come off of the commander balance which seems ridiculous but what what you're also seeing at the same time is now duels are starting to finally hold yeah and they're starting uh -huh. to grow you know july was really a, I, I bring up underground sea on stocks right now because it is kind of the, the poster card for duels it is generally speaking the most expensive and usually the most played in vintage and legacy and the yeah. last time it really slid was between July and August. After that, it's just kind of flattened, and it's slowly starting to come back down. We saw uh, about a $40 dip between then and now, as opposed to July into September, which where in just that month and a half, we saw a $50 drop. Yeah. But we're seeing market and average starting to come together a lot more, and actually Helix, and eventually we'll see the, the price increase, maybe around, uh, like we've... I hate looking at tax refund time within the U.S. as uh, a symbol yeah. for growth, but it's probably heading into that direction. Yeah, I and it's it's interesting because you mentioned that they're about to helix, and as again we've said on the cast before, that's typically a sign that it's about to like not necessarily explode, mm -hmm. but see stable growth. Yep, and. You know, I don't worry, guys. Our our buy list number is going up because of EDH demand. Uh, I'm watching you, Ben. And um, it, it's you're finally seeing like this is further proof that if you are holding on to it as an investment, as like I'm going to throw this junk in a box, yep, junk, and forget about it. One of the best places to be, besides penny specs, which are also great because it's just a low cost in is Duel Lands. Yep. And that's, you know, more and more where I've been getting is I don't want, you know, even staples at this point uh, for more than, you know, two or three weeks because I just don't want to like, oh, great, I've got this, uh, you know, Hammer of Nizan or whatever that's like $20. Uh, and, oh, look, it's in the new promo pack that they issued with Ikora. Yep. Well, I guess my $20 card is suddenly 6 because I don't want to get stuck with that. And you're never going to get that with duels. Yeah. The, the announcement of a lot of those promos is obnoxious, especially uh, the yet-again printing of Sunbird's Invocation. Yep. Uh, we're going to uh, yeah. we'll win on that one eventually. Yeah. Well, and then you've also got the, they said, what, starting with Akora, there's going to be four commander decks a set? Well, now all of a sudden your Mirari's Wake is an infinite reprint risk. Yep. Your Sigarda's Aid, which is finally starting to see, like, actual growth in price as a reprint risk. Mm -hmm. So it just further, like, drills home, you know, it, as, like, a vendor, as someone wanting to make money on this, you want to hold on to cards exactly long enough to turn them into money no longer ever yep or understand the percentages of certain people's buy lists have a li and have a list ahead of time of what you're targeting yeah. and know what you can get rid of and its buy list value and what you're taking in and its buy list value to and see if you can match or beat because that is also something that happens Just yeah and speaking is and i'm sure it's the same for you someone at a booth if you bring me a list and you say, these are my numbers, this is what I have, that saves everyone so much time. Because yep. I can tell you right away, uh, I can't pay this. Mm -hmm. Or I can pay this, or I can pay more. 
And it's just the best way to do it. Be, and you need to be mindful of that now, like you said, because, you know, I, some vendors may have information that other vendors don't. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. I'm sure there were some vendors that didn't see the email, that didn't see the email about Ensnaring Bridge, Imperial Recruiter, and Rishport, which I remember posting in the Discord the weekend of that GP being like, yo, guys, these are getting reprinted. Yep like trustworthy source and everyone was like all right well i guess we're gonna dump all these to buy lists right now Uh and you just have to be mindful of that and try to get your percentages wherever you can Uh, yeah absolutely and i think this also plays a little into the adage about modern which is that any player if you play your deck and you know your deck you're at more of an advantage than somebody who hops every week yeah and that also helps you call a modern collection. Yeah. You know, modern isn't a slow-moving format. It moves pretty quickly, especially if they're injecting new product and keeping a more watchful eye on the format as a whole for B and R's. Well, B's mainly. No R's. Yeah, no. And and no UBs. That's no. never happening. Free the political prisoner. Bring I mean, back Twin. I want to say they could probably bring back Cloudpost, but... That's me. Uh, and I just want 12 post again. If I can cast all the spells, gain all the life, and take all saying. the turns, that's all I care about. That, that's what I'm saying, because Infect still takes 10 to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't fog forever. And nope. it, you know, it, it keeps you from building out a huge modern collection, keeping that one deck. It also helps you keep churning through stock, especially if you're you know, a player vendor or a player collector, what yeah. have you. Uh, if you're a collector and you're kind of losing your ass over these bands, then you you know, might want to rethink your strategy as a whole. You know, as a player, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I went... Uh, Affinity and Tron have been my decks. I, uh, I played Tron when it was Tooth and Nail and Standard, so I had those pieces, mm-hmm. again, conveniently well... I, I played at a very good time to... In standard, to also play Modern when it transitioned. But I built Pod over time, and the Pod got banned, and the majority... Of, yeah, the majority of Twin was Wicked Cheap and mainly commons and uncommons so when pod got banned i moved to twin and then twin got banned and that was it then i just started floating nothing nothing has really piqued my fancy in modern yeah Uh, except i I do have amulet which i'm sure is going to go at some point uh it's also very very (sighs) good now which i think there, there was a lot of feedback after the ban which also plays into it. People were like, you forgot to ban Amulet. So then all of a sudden you started seeing Amulet pieces go up in price because what used to be the format Boogeyman is suddenly, in the moment, the format Boogeyman again. Mm -hmm. Because at that time it wasn't how is are going to adjust. It's what was good before that's suddenly good again without Oko. Yeah. Amulet. Because Amulet loses to Oko. So the other thing is, you know, to make money, look back to prior metas. But no, definitely. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking for prime time to be banned in modern because that gets rid of both amulet and Valakut at the same time, which is now running amulet as I found out over the weekend. Yeah. And I found out. I think that's crazy. What the, man? There's like a two dollar delta between Primeval Titan and uh, market price. Oh, less. You can actually get more credit right now for a 2011 primetime non-foil on CK than it would cost you to buy from TCG Player Near Mint. By about nice. 70 cents. So, you know, yeah. stuff like that is something to keep your eye on. And it, it, while that is banned in EDH, it's also a decent uh, casual card. Right? Yeah, it, for it sure. Banned. It is banned, right? No, Worldfire uh, was banned. Yeah, no, yeah, Worldfire was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta double check. This card is... It's like a hundred percent. This is banned. Um. But yeah, it's and you know one of the things when I was harping on it a couple casts ago about how bad um, this change is, is that like we don't know when we can just be left, you know, with our meal in our hands and it's just taken out of us. Mm-hmm. So and as I said then, you know, you you have to own your stuff as short as possible. Yep. Um, and when it happens, if you want to make a quick like pump and dump buck, uh, 
be prepared to go in on whatever the meta was before because you need to be quick about it because people are going to figure it out. Yep. The other way to do it is to go in on like, all right, so what's the replacement? And of course, most of the years are like discords and everything. They all said, oh, we're just going to run Mox Amber now. And that's fine. But it's a little bit grindier and it's mm-hmm. a little bit less explosive than it was. Yeah. Uh, Tantalite is also seeing an increase because you can go fish for a Tantalite out of your graveyard with Emery and get around yeah. the suspend clause. Whether or not that picks up a... a I think it had a $4 price tag coming into this weekend, and now it's somewhere around 5 or 6 just because it's a Mox and it's playable in EDH. Nowhere, yeah. Nowhere else prior to this. But if that becomes the tech, then moving in at 4 to $5 isn't a bad idea. Seems fine. Amber had a problem where every time it wasn't played, it dropped back down to its floor. It could never be... The floor was never really reset yeah. at all. And if Urza picks back up, this might be the time we see a new floor on Amber. And if Amber goes, then Tantalite is the next piece because the problems are not the zero CMC mana artifacts. The problems are Urza and or Emery. Or Emery. You get rid of one, that's it. That's the deck, mostly. Urza, ban it. I, I agree w- with that to a point. My concern, as I posted on Twitter last week, uh, the joke was, you know about being able to cast Emery on turn one still. Yeah. Or turn two. And then what happens with the format? She dies to removal. She dies to Doomblade. She can't possibly be good. It's the Tarmogoyf argument. Yeah. It's flawless. Yeah, imagine having Urza and Emery and Psy Master Thopterist all being able to turn on Mox Amber that early in the game. You have an affinity card. It costs yeah. three and a zero CMC mox that turns on when you play your legend. I can't imagine that gets played on turn two fairly reliably. Yeah. With Amber just chilling there. It's ridiculous. But, but there we are. It is what it is. And, and it's, yeah. it's interesting to see that the bands that have been announced ahead of time, uh, I put that in quotes, have a little more effect on finances than the information about uh, reprints. Or yeah. uh, re-releases than we than we've seen, mainly because these had every these cards had everything to lose and nothing to gain. Meanwhile, yeah. the reprints that I've heard about were uh, about a quarter in advance. Yeah. A what the GP promo was going to be. Yeah. So so for about a full three months, I knew what the next GP promo or the next year's GP promo was going to be, and then about three days in advance almost the exact same timing with this ban list was when um i found out about both the masterpieces yeah and what some of them were going to be the first time around not a lot of them a a, a small amount and that changed the vendor to vendor interaction entirely those weekends yeah because the gp promo only affected foil prices of a of the card it did not affect regular prices yeah so being the good guys that we were and knowing in advance when another vendor would come up and try to deal on that card, we'd let them know what was going to the foil ver- the set foil, we would let them know what was going to happen ahead of time. Oh, and if they good. wanted to try and continue deal and deal on that card, we would, but let you know, like you're going to you could get hoisted on this if you don't have yeah, the outright. You, you could be washed on this, so yep. you know, just so you're aware we're not trying to like scheme you out of it which yep. i think is how it should be done yep and uh, the same thing with the artifacts we find out for masterpieces somebody another vendor was walking around with like um one of them came in a promo pack way back when they were doing books and a cellophane promo yeah. pack and had a sealed one that they were trying to move and we told them that we will not be picking those up at a reasonable price because on monday they will be announcing a premium version of that card yeah and it is not worth our time to pick that up when demand is going to it's, be it's going to tank in two days so yeah. take it to someone who doesn't know or because or someone that needs them yeah because, that, that too yeah someone uh, that just needs them yeah those two events i was working for two completely different vendors and one of them with the second one was primarily focused on edh at the, at yeah. the time so we were well backstocked on this card in that version there's no need to go deeper on it when we knew another version was coming out and we were going to bust infinite of the supplement of uh yeah not Namek, uh kaladesh yeah, but that didn't affect the vendor to player interaction or the player to player interaction that weekend. That just affected the vendor to vendor interaction. Vendor to vendor. Yeah. 
you know? And, you know, when the next GP promo was released, sure enough, the foil prices did drop because the GP promo with brand new art came out. And yep. there it was, the second foil, and that deflated the value overall. The premium version of that uh, artifact was announced. It was shown, I think it was one of the the flagships of the set. Uh, the Sorry, the Masterpiece set. Yeah. And that was it. It devalued the original one for a little bit, and we just kind of sailed along. But yep. players did not lose their asses like they did over a BAM. No, no. And and the other thing is, like, a lot of times when you say, like, the reprints have stuff to gain, I mean, look at Modern Horizons, for example. Factor Fiction got announced in that set. Yep. And the Invasion foils exploded to, like, 10x mm-hmm. overnight. Because when that happens, all of a sudden people are buying into this hype train. Yeah. And Ops so too. there you have way more to make from a reprint than you do from a banning, because reprints are often introducing it into a new format. Mm-hmm. You know, if brainstorm gets printed in a standard set it's never happening all of a sudden standard pioneer and modern uh-huh. your masks foils are worth a grand suddenly potentially a piece rather yeah. than for a playset. yeah we had factor fiction and opt right in the same year yeah do that because Foff was in uh modern horizons and opt and was opt in was in excellent excellent oh yeah it was uh, the year before yeah so yeah a, a, and then again in dom but yeah. Look at the invasion foils and what happened to Ops when it got printed in Ixalan. All of a sudden, those invasion foils went from like a five to ten dollar card to like thirty to forty overnight. Yeah, because oh, now it's modern legal too. Well, obviously, Storm wants this mm-hmm. through yeah. the roof. Yeah, every blue deck was playing yeah. out. It, it's actually really funny. I'll bring up the stock scraft. Nothing, 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 nothing. Ixalan, and then. It can't, stocks can't even connect the line for foils. Yeah. It just goes from $4 to 60 for the foil. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the set foils devalue over time as they continue to reprint it or as people just keep buying back into the original. Uh, yeah. That's not, it's just this, you know, whole ball of wax. It's pretty interesting. And the unsched, the untimeliness of every one of these announcements, generally of somebody feeling sour. Oh, for sure. Uh, the only thing that is kind of interesting right now is that the RC is catching a ton of flack for not dealing with any part of the Bubble Hulk combo. Uh, the Spike Feeders today put up a really nice... Good job, guys. Yeah, response on uh, Reddit. They link to it in their, their Twitter feed. I'd give that a, a yeah. read if you're into playing... Uh, more competitive regular EDH or CEDH, and they basically broke down why the car that needs to go is Flash. Yeah, I it and it's I love it because if anyone here is like kept up with the format at all, uh, you know that for since Protein Bro got taken off, like people have said Flash is the one that needs to go because Protein Hulk is fine. Mm-hmm. When you have cards like Phyrexian Tower and Sacrifice Outlets for it, Flash, from its inception, look at the Legacy Grand Prix, was busted because unless you can interact when Flash is on the stack, you can't interact. Yep. And as far as I know, the Rules Committee hasn't said anything different. They haven't said we're going with the ban whenever philosophy. I could be wrong. If that's the case, please tweet. uh, Let us know. I tend to ignore Sheldon when he talks because... Uh, keep my opinions to myself, but I'm glad the lab men and spike feeders have his ear for a little bit at least. Yeah. Uh, because I just, it's interesting to me that these are the types of things that sort of fly by the wayside. Uh, especially now with EDH having such a big impact on MTG finance, mm-hmm. where you have possibly a smaller window to move on this stuff once it hits than other formats. Yeah. Um, because the people that move in EDH, yes, there's fewer of them, but they tend to have deeper pockets. So you'll end up with one person that ends up with all of the foil, Japanese, you know, whatever comes off the band list. Yep, yeah, yeah. Just because they've been picking up over time. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, Foil Flash is on CK's buy list for $3.30 USD, $4.29 credit. And the yep. Foil uh, market is $4.90. 
I don't track this card because I own like one copy of the Mirage version. Yeah. But this is definitely something if you are the kind of person that has foil flashes, keep your eyes on this. If yep. If people were tentative about buying into foil flashes under a certain price tag, I mean, five dollars seems perfectly fine for this card in foil. Yeah. We're we're way past the point where a two five should have rebounded as a whole. You know, even mm-hmm. Rashad and Port in foil has recovered a bit. Yeah. You know, there's nowhere to go but up for this card until it's banned. But they do off-cycle bans whenever the RC has just deemed a card necessary. They take their time to write it up, and then it all just comes out uh, through their little secret channels, and eventually we're all set. Yeah. So this is EDH is a prime example of what happens with off-cycle bans and why they're never a great idea. Yep. But all right. Enough bandless bashing because we're gonna have one in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, move uh, on. Move on to picks. Yes. All right. You want to talk over yours? Yeah. So I'll I'll go over mine. And as I said, uh, you know, now that these promo packs have changed, we're getting EDH cards as often as possible. Um, we have probably three months till the next set comes out to find out that we're gonna get hoisted on this. My pick is thrumming stone and the reason i say this as some of you may be able to easily guess is excuse me uh we just got more rats yes so rat colony is in secret lair year of the rat which i guess we're going to be getting every month great um not secret lair year of the rat but a secret lair so Rat Colony being in that raises the exposure for cards like Thrumming Stone in EDH, which is the only place people really play Rat Colony, Persistent Petitioners, Relentless Rats. Shadowborn I think Apostle. Prob- yeah, Shadowborn Apostle, all those um, cards. Yeah. Uh, getting more exposure for that can only be good for the card. Mm-hmm. Additionally, if you take a look at the MTG Stocks document, uh, or the tracking list we are since the card hit its all-time high in february of last year at the lowest price point for this card so right now low is sitting at around 22 ish uh the high last year was 40 so if you can reliably get an un into this for about 80 percent uh you're looking at a pretty reasonable return for the most part yep uh, it's easy to trade out because, again, it's a casual EDH all-star. People love that stuff. It's something that on the right buy lists you can easily make a decent amount of money on. Uh, you know, Miniature Market right now is paying 15 I believe last I checked Card Kingdom was paying about 19 So if Lowe's 24 and you trade for it in 19 in mm-hmm. trade, uh, suddenly... You're even on cash, which is a pretty good spot to be in. Oh, absolutely. And I think the exposure thing that, uh, that you brought up is one of the more important ones to talk about because something that happens a lot is you'll run into that tribal homer, the person who mm-hmm. just plays tribal EDH. doesn't matter what yep. the tribe is, they're playing it. They are looking for uh, Urza's Incubator. They are looking for Thrumming Stone swarm yard anything to do with coat of arms whatever yeah and unlike swarm yard most of these other tribal cards work for everything regardless Mm -hmm. so this is one of a handful of universal uh yeah tribal synergistic synergistically tribal cards in essence and thus it slots into every tribal deck or can I also think it's worth noting that as, you know, you may say, oh, well, everyone that wants this card already has it. Well, think about it, though, because if Arena is as remarkable for new players as we are being led to believe, uh, there are a ton of new players who have never experienced this card. They don't know what it does. They don't know what set it's from. They don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And the more of those people that get into that, the better off everyone is. The better, the more likely you are to 
I didn't know Thrumming Stone existed. Yep. Well, great. I have it. What would you like to trade? And that's one thing I will say that Arena has done for Magic is that we are getting more and more and more exposure that we otherwise wouldn't have. And that is very, very, very good for us, I think. Yep, I, I agree. It's I, We talk about it all the time. It, this is very much a what's good for the goose is goose for, uh, good for the gander kind of situation yep. in regards yeah. to arena for the game because people walk backwards in terms of formats they don't walk forwards yeah so eventually you're going to look for a more interesting or more unique or more difficult or what have you way to play the game and they'll stumble upon all of this all of this and edh is super easy to find in person very you you look down and you see four people grouped around each other and all of a sudden great let's talk yeah cool I mean, it happens at every Magic Fest, and a lot of people kind of translate into that type of player. They'll pop into a Magic Fest, even if it's just, even if it's just for sides, and it's super easy to yeah. find EDH, you know, the target audience. And it, the more you read into it, the more you learn, the more you're going to step through resources, the more it's going to lead you back to cards like this. Yeah. Always. You know, especially with, it, it's, you know, some people like to think of EDH Rick as a feedback loop or um, the Oathbreaker. Massive echo chamber yeah, of nonsense. Or, or the Oathbreaker stuff um, at, because it's all user submitted. You can't create yeah. this format effectively. But you're going to see that card in lists. And a lot of these tribal For decks sure. are cheap. That's going to be one of the most expensive cards in it. So it becomes, yep. you know, your money sink. And it allows you to play that tribe and any other you might like if that's the kind of player you want to be in EDH. Yeah. I like the pick. Um, it's not a card I personally own any of because Cold Snap wasn't my jam. But Yeah. This is... I've got about 10 copies now, I think, because I just have picked them up periodically. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, they're there. That's how I wound up with Swarm Yards. Yeah. And they came with collections or EDH decks that I bought. Not because I like the card Swarm Yard or Bugs or Spiders or Kobolds, whatever it regenerates. Yeah. It just came with EDH collections. The end. Yep. But, uh, from an EDH card, we're going to move into a standard card with my pick. And I picked Thousand Year Storm. And I, I verified this is the first time I picked it because I could have sworn I picked it a different time. I? Well, I guess not. Yeah. I, nope, I did not. I've talked about it a bunch, and I've kind of picked yeah. I punched around it. Uh, okay. But Thousand Year Storm is my jam uh, for this week. You're not seeing a lot. You're not going to see a lot of movement on this card. It's uh, kind of a standard sub all star. If you're into Riley Knight's Arena Boys series, they definitely played this card to great effect within the last two months. And basically, all you do is just draw through your deck in one turn, and then cast as many shocks as you can. You know, whatever targeted yeah. spell you have, just blast them in the face. Uh, you know, expansion, explosion, etc. Well, this card was brought up again uh, this last week during the Theros Beyond Death uh, pre-event. Mm. And I was... Uh, or maybe it's the week before. I'm looking at this deck. It was the week bef- before into this week because it was just uh, brew mo- rumors. Uh, okay. A follower of the cast and patron, I believe their name is... Uh, Triggerfinger2k on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, alerted us to this. Ali Antrazi was playing the following list. I'll bring it up. A Storm Breach combo, which basically does exactly, like I said, draws through your deck, and then with Thousand Year Storm on the battlefield, after you've cast you know, all your spells, you either cast Shock or Bone Crusher Giant, and just get them. The only issue is Underworld Breach in the deck does not allow you to recast the adventure side of Bonecrusher yeah. Giant, but it doesn't matter because either by that point in time you're sh- the first one would have killed them or you should have found additional copies or shock. Yeah. Uh, this happened in a very narrow margin of time before Ali switched over to his Simic Ramp deck that was casting Hydroid Crisis for over 1,000. So it was a very flash-in-the-pan kind of... Not over 9,000, mind you. No. Sadly, uh, Nyx, Bloom, Ancient, or whatever it is, can only make so much mana. Yeah. But, uh, paired with Nyssa, I believe. But this brings the deck the deck back into the forefront, and 
with Underworld Breach, if it allows you to churn through your deck faster than it did before, this gives you a better chance to survive to get 2,000 your storm. That was the issue before, was protecting yourself long enough to be able to cast 1,000 your storm and then untap with it. Pretty good. So with Underworld Breach, allowing you to flashback shocks here and there, or better draw through your deck to recast the value section of it, Especially with growth yeah. spirals, you should be able to get Thousand Year Storm out a little earlier, a little more reliably than on top of it and go. I think there's also the opportunity for this list to play is Omniscient still. No, that's gone. No, M19 for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's gone. Because um, there was a, a version with this before. Somebody was playing it. I, was, I found the list as I was searching. <clears throat> there does. Uh, ex there Then this does extend the opportunity to play this combo down into Pioneer. Yes. And it's not probably not the best Pioneer combo deck, but it is, at that point, a Pioneer combo deck. You have a little more interaction on the field, so Underworld Breach is a little stronger. You still get to keep a lot of the draw spells because with uh, Thirst for Meaning and the Thirst for kind of cycle that they've made, you have ways to discard additional cards and, and power up your graveyard for Breach. And at Good. a $4 Mythic right now, I already brought up the the stocks page, you are generally sitting pretty well. It, it's fairly well positioned for this card. Uh, in the U.S., yeah. the vendors are selling it for about that. Card Kingdom is buying it for about $3 in non-foil, but you can reach overseas from the U.S. and buy this card for... Uh, Dirt. Yes, under, under $3. About $2.60 if my conversion math is correct, at which point you are at the CK credit limit. So yeah. this, if you don't own them yet, this is the arbitrage opportunity from overseas. Right now I can reach out and buy 10 at that price, which is an immediate turn and not a bad one. And I don't know what it looks like on uh, the European market as this is still a standard playable card, not an EDH only card, which is where yeah. I would expect to make my money if I was moving things from Magic Card Market. It would be EDH only, not a card that uh, overlaps. Yeah. Uh, I So I think this is good. And one of the reasons that I really like this is it's a card that when the set came out, everyone immediately identified as, oh, this is some kind of like storm card that's going to take off eventually. And the thing is, like, now that SCG is pushing Pioneer, now that GPs are pushing Pioneer, and you're getting a lot of the older, like, regulars from the SCG circuit, like Caleb Shear, uh, who are back now playing Storm again, it's only a matter of time before some non-interactive degenerate strategy like this starts to take over. Yeah. So, it, it, additionally... It's the kind of card that you'll wake up one day and will just be worth $15 because of EDH. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh. Really? Come on, why? And yeah, that's why I have a few copies and I picked up a foil super early on because this was a card that I felt had immediate EDH uh, playability and that's where I've been playing it. Yeah. It's in like 5,000 decks, which is 8% of 61,000 in the is it color combination or is it plus color combination, which is honestly one of the highest percentage cards you and I have looked at in a while when we compare back yeah. down. And it's exactly where you expect it to be. Nimiza Nimis Perun. That's just basically yep. um, not Thar at all. Um, the Merfolk that makes tutus uh, when you cast instants or sorceries. Yeah. Uh, uh, Talrand. Talrand. Basically, yep. the Mizzet kind of took that spot. Uh, Melek, yeah. uh, yep. Mizzix, uh, the Ismagus, yeah. and Karinos are basically the top you know, combo generals for this thing, and they're all fairly popular compared to what else is on this list. Yeah. You know, it, it's a finisher wherever you need to, and this is the card right now that makes Underworld Breach look the best in Standard and Pioneer at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen some dumb things with Breach already over the weekend in Legacy, and it's an obvious pick from this set to be an all-star in all formats. It's just, where do you slot it? And Storm is the is the deck in every format because that key, that has that keyword. The only way you get this word in, in a playable fashion in both Pioneer and Standard is on Thousand Year Storm. Yep. So I think that's my pick, and I'm sticking to it. 
Solid. Yeah, I think so. But uh, that's it for this week. Next week is probably going to be a little more uh, involved as we're going to take a look at a fair amount of magic history. This is a topic we've been uh, musing on for the past two weeks and is very relevant to the 2019 and 2020 set, uh, standard set releases. So yep. uh, we'll try and keep that one as brief as possible and as uh, light and airy as possible without getting in the weeds too much. Yeah, uh, good luck. Sorry, yeah. guys, in advance. Yeah. Not my forte. No. Conveniently, it's between uh, large football weekends, so we should have the time to actually do our research. Yeah, uh, which, by the way, picks next week. We will also have Super Bowl winner picks. Oh, boy. So. <laughs> I mean, I can't pick. I will. I mean, that's fine. I know who I'm going to pick because they didn't play the pa- the, the Packers at all, so I didn't have to win- do that thing. We're like, oh, they beat my team, so I have to root for them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. I just think Patrick Mahomes is the goat right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's way better than Grappolo. All right, but with that, and Aaron Rodgers right now. Ah, oh, sorry, I had to. Look, I mean, you have a freshman coach who brought you to the the semis. Like, yeah, that's fair. That that that's what I was impressed about. Nobody and, played and well yesterday. Say, as as a Cowboys fan, thank you for a better head coach for my team. Yeah, right. Yeah, now that you get a uh, Mike McCarthy, McCarthy back. Yeah. Yeah. Eesh. Yeah. His his overall team wasn't bad. His his coaching staff. I mean. Yeah. If he brings those guys in, they're not bad. They're not bad. No. But all right. Before we get off t- too off topic with the NFL. Yeah. Uh, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and on Patreon and on YouTube and Facebook. All those places. And iTunes. Everywhere. Yes. iTunes, Stitcher. Not SoundCloud. No. We'll get there. Maybe. Yeah. Acquire some work. I am at Halt I am Reptar on Twitter. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys.